we're going to be rapid here because I want to get Conor Grant in quite soon. Spectators, first of all, through the gates. Dave, in England, Tier 2. If you're from a Tier 2 area, away you go. It's not been full take-up to capacity, but it seems to have worked well so far. Yeah, and, it, and it's unlikely that, that it would have been, isn't it? Because I think if you look at some of those midweek meetings mm. from Wednesday, I think that you would be looking at about 600 people that they'd, they'd got 12 months earlier. So you, you wouldn't expect... Uh, the crowds to be full, uh, the gates to be full. It's it's obviously a really welcome step. This it's great to see people back. I I, I was at Sandown yesterday. That's the first time I've been. Well, I, I went to Chelmsford City for Racing TV on Thursday, but I don't think there are crowds there. Um, but at Sandown there were, and it was mm. it, it it really brought something back that we've missed so badly. I thought that was rather a poignant moment, John Hales having to reach over a double rail just to get a, a pat of, a, of his own horse's yeah. nose, but I'm afraid that's just where we're at. It, it is. Uh, owners have had to be very patient. Uh, On-course bookmakers have had to be extremely patient as well uh, because you know they, they've not been able to earn a living since March. So it's been a, it's been a desperate few months. This week has obviously been a very good week with... Uh, hopefully the the vaccine now is 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 merely days away mm. uh, for the over 80s etc so yeah it was it was it, it was a great thing that uh, that crowds were back and we hope that that is a a step it, a step towards normality they're back in football and and back in other sports and so i suppose now what we're waiting for is is for the the tier system to to, to provide us with sort of wider access, isn't it? Mm. It doesn't look as though in some areas the tier system is going to be used for quite some time, no. does it? No, I think that that's right. But it was uh, good news. Great to see, you know, great to see crowds back. That's that's just a race course without crowds. It lacks vibrancy. It, it lacks atmosphere. And we got a bit of that back. Okay, spectators back on the course. BBC Sports Personality of the Year. There are just six final nominees this year. One of those is Holly Doyle. I feel like. Holly Doyle has been a sort of regular fixture on this list for the last year. What added significance is there to her presence on that list, that particular list, which is always quite heavily scrutinised by people in horse racing who tend to bemoan the fact that horse racing doesn't get the rub of the green on in that programme or indeed in in that shortlist? Well, BBC TV, it doesn't, does it? You know, they they. they, they I think that's that goes without saying. Let's get the, the the negatives out of the way first. That sports personality of the year is not the program that it was. I it, things started going wrong when it changed its name from sports review of the year. I think you're in, you're in grave danger of being a little bit of an old fart here. If yes, I know. Yeah, but um, let's talk about Holly Doyle. You say that she's been pretty much a, a fixture. On uh, and talking points and on this program, well, there's a very good reason for that, isn't there? That she she keeps finding personal bests and and her her career in 2020 keeps yeah. taking meaningful steps forward. What I'm more interested in here is whether her presence on this shortlist is in any way evidence of a, an increased cut through beyond beyond the sports fans beyond the fans of this sport. Right. My, my own instinct, my instinctive answer to that is no. OK. Uh, that it's, I, I think it's uh, a, 
an indication of how much she's achieved in 2020. Like I say, we, we, we were looking at uh, we were looking at a uh, a person who until October hadn't won a Group One race has now. She's now ridden at the Breeders' Cup. She's going to Hong Kong today and to to ride there for the first time. It, it's you know Holly Doyle is the real deal. Okay, uh, there wasn't a stewards inquiry at Chelmsford City the other night after a dead heat. You were there, Dave. Tell me about it. Well, the uh, this was a, um, a a case where there were there was a, a dead heat here. We're going to have a look at the two horses here. So I don't for them. They're the horse in the the navy and maroon quarters, who is in the the middle of the three, and the horse on the inside, the star on the cap. Yeah, it's Arridge, who's uh, trained by. Simon and Ed Crisford and Hugo Palmer's Power of States. Power of States. Now, the the point with this, and I made this point at the time, and and it got you know mixed reaction on social media inevitably. But the thing is, this was a a not to eighty, not to eighty five handicap. It was one. It was it was. I think it was the second best race on the card. Mm. It was the second best flat race of the day. And if we we are constantly. Uh, aware of racing's financially parlous position at the moment, health, aren't we, because of, of COVID-19. And we rely on punter confidence for our income. Now, I know that the, obviously there was a steward's report on the BHA website that said they'd looked at the interference, they didn't think that it, it merited further investigation and I know also that at the back of their minds they want to keep recycling punters money so they want to keep stewards inquiries to a minimum but I thought this this showed racing in a bad light they you, you could not separate them it was a dead heat there were two instances of cannoning I made it one and a half half I thought that Arish was at fault for the first one I thought the second was 50 50 and I just think that there should have been a steward's inquiry and that they need to raise the bar slightly or maybe lower the bar lower if the you threshold like. lower the threshold say right we must look into it call call in the jockeys and so if we don't have punter confidence we don't have anything let's talk about Anna Marie Phelps who this week warned of the dangers of a ban on bookmaker advertising now previously it was considered that racing would be ring-fenced from any ban on bookmaker advertising Dave but we're not quite sure what's going to happen as regards the recommendations put forward by the Gambling Review, and that could happen as early as tomorrow. We'll be talking to Conor Grant about that in a few moments' time. Yeah, and, and never be, uh, never build your house. I don't, never build one's house on statements like that. We 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 see that within the workings of government every day, mm. don't we? That particularly with with the current health crisis, that what's true today might not be true tomorrow, and. So I, I think this was a timely intervention, if you like, by Anna-Marie Phelps, mm. that all of us in horse racing, I hope, believe that responsibly managed, that, that betting is uh, a positive and a legitimate form of entertainment yeah. for over-18s. And it's obviously incumbent on those within the sport and particularly within the betting industry to show publicly that that they are managing that responsibly and that, that this isn't just like, well, let's get as much money as we can, etc., etc. And so it, it was a, it, it, I think that this is a, this is a, a drum that, 
that racing and, and betting has to continue to be because if, uh, if there are if there were to be restrictions on advertising gambling advertising with with regard to horse racing that is a massive problem for us well it would be a huge problem i mean the, the, there is a reason why there are so many days of horse racing on network television at the moment either on the main terrestrial channel or its or its affiliates yeah absolutely because it because bookmakers <laughs> yeah. sponsor it and uh speaking you know i work for a i work for a newspaper group who who welcome bookmaker sponsorship and it's a huge contributor to the health of the group you know you look at the figures that we get for for Cheltenham and Aintree across the mirror and the star particularly they are they're they're big figures and so this as I say this is this is a a timely intervention and it's something that that we have to have uh, we have to pay very close attention to because the consequences would be very serious Another sponsorship blow dealt to Cheltenham this week. Magnus will end their sponsorship or their partnership with Cheltenham after the running of the 2021 uh, Cheltenham Gold Cup. Uh, that was a three-year deal and they will not extend or renew. Given that Magnus are in the hospitality trade, it's not really Cheltenham's fault. It's just a consequence of COVID. I think we can mark this down as a consequence of COVID, can't well, we, Dave, rather than a, a failing on the part of the sport to, to keep their sponsors? Yes, I, I think we can. I mean, the difficulty for uh, the, the difficulty in, in this instance throughout the wider world during COVID-19 is that we, you can't see the join, can you? We can't see the join between uh, difficulties, the industry that are non-COVID related, just pure greed on the part of the bosses who want to get rid of a few people mm. because it makes them richer, and trading conditions that have been made worse by the COVID-19 crisis. In this instance, as you say, we can't see the join, we never can, but it's, it's pretty clear that the hospitality sector has been hit more seriously and harder than pretty much anyone else, really. I suppose airlines would, uh, might, might argue with that. But it was a three-year deal. Uh, it's not going to be renewed. And so in that respect, if we put it down to COVID-19 related difficulties, well, at least we've got maybe the solace that it's not, the problem isn't elsewhere, but financially it still leaves us with, uh, it, it, might there have been a circumstance where a sponsor would have thought, well, we have to keep that, we can't lose that because it's the Cheltenham Gold Cup. In this instance, that hasn't happened. But we've lost our Derby sponsor, the long-standing sponsor Investec. The Gold Cup will be without a sponsor. They are two of racing's great prizes. Yeah, they are. And I mean, uh, I think only uh, the most uh, dedicated sort of head-in-the-sand merchant would not see the loss of those two sponsorships and think that it's, that it's a, a very worrying sign. The Champion Hurdle is sponsored by a bookmaker. The Champion Chase is sponsored by a bookmaker. Well, <laughs> racing is, and Cheltenham sometimes have been a bit sniffy about bookmaker sponsorship but, in the past. Yeah. But, you know, their money's the same colour as everyone else's, and we know, that they're in, we know that they're in this sport for the long haul, don't we? Ed Vaughan is starting a new career this week in Kentucky. He's hoping to have his first runners at Turfway Park toward the end of the year, whilst Nick Littmerden is relocating to France because their opportunities simply aren't financially viable enough here. It, this is quite simple, Dave. This is all about the economics of trying to be a, 
um, a, a racehorse trainer in the UK. Yes, I don't think there's any question about that. That uh, we can't really uh, we can't lay the blame anywhere else, can we? It's it's a it's a great shame that Ed Vaughan and Nick Litmerden, two very successful and very good trainers of thoroughbreds, have decided that that going elsewhere is 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 the 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 only really financially viable move for them. Um, obviously going in, in different directions. You know, before, I, I, visiting Ed Vaughan's stable in Newmarket, which is a, a wonderful uh, matchal place, a, a, a really wonderful Victorian, uh, an example of, of, of a Victorian stable, uh, a couple of years ago, and he said he was going to have to have the roof done, I think, of three parts of uh, the, the, the three sides. And I thought, my goodness, how much must that cost? You know, the, the, the costs of running that yard, even with, with high-profile owners there, were ab absolutely astronomical, and it's just not possible to balance the books. Uh, and clearly this will raise issues that we've been talking about all year insofar as until racing gets what is perceived to be a fair return, and that fair return is reflected somewhat in prize money which then trickles down to the, the sports practitioners, then more and more migration is likely to happen. Is that a fair contention or not? No, I think it is a very fair one, yeah. I mean, that, that's, uh, until, until that does happen, there are, go, there are going to be more people leaving, aren't there? It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's an uncomfortable truth, like losing race courses, losing trainers. We, we, love, this, we love this sport and we love those, the, the tracks and the people who are in it. But mm. there are going to be more people, I hope not tracks, but possibly going out rather than coming in. Coming in. Our old friend Low Sun. Um, not a massive surprise that he appears on this list at this time of year. He always does. And there's not really an awful lot you can do about it. You can't really ban the sun. But there are always nuances. Could not buy it. <laughs> Very good. Um, there are always nuances to this. Pond fence was omitted yesterday at Sandown, which is a big, big part of their steeplechase course. Now, the, the situation at Aintree with the many clouds chase, I've been talking to Saleka Varma, the uh, head of racing northwest for the Jockey Club this morning, and she said there was a specific reason why the fences were omitted from the many clouds yesterday. She said, if you remember back to the previous meeting, the old roan chase, she'd moved the time of that to stop this happening. So I said, well, why couldn't you move the time of the many clouds? Well, because she said, quite rightly, we wanted it in the ITV terrestrial television window. And in order for it to be in the window, it had to be at that time, because if you want the two Grand National fence races in the terrestrial TV window, they have to be a certain amount of time apart, hence the Beecher and the Sefton bookending where they appear on ITV, because they need the time to rebuild the Grand National course. So because they need the time to rebuild, that's where the many clouds has to sit between the two of them. And of course, that is at the time when you are likeliest to be hit by the low sum. But until you can move the, the television window, or do something else with those Grand National races, or not have one, or whatever, then you're slightly caught where you're caught. What, what can you do with the two Grand National races, though? Well, you, there's a possibility that you might only have the one, but you know that's, that's probably a discussion for another day. I mean, the, the But it would solve this issue, though, wouldn't it? Because the, you know, it, the, the Grand Sefton is lost yesterday. It, on to, to, to most certainly terrestrial viewers, I'd say, like uh, when I, I was in the press room at Sandown yesterday, 
and I looked up to see the finish of the Grand Sefton. Now, I know people say, well, we don't care about you, but you're writing at that point that you, you've got your news lines. It's, it's Nicky Henderson, it's Altior, it's Politologue, it's Vieux-Léon Rouge, it's all mankind. Mm. And th that's a footnote. Why not, why not make that the centrepiece of another day, the Grand Sefton? That's yeah, certainly an interesting, an interesting thought. Um, and that, well, that was a reason why low sun badly affected the, the many clouds. Yes, it also, uh, Seleka pointed out to me that there is now a function whereby a clerk of the course can press a button and tell everybody that this meeting is likely to be affected by low sun. But as she also pointed out, that's likely to be used more often than not because you want to cover yourself against the eventuality of that happening. Right, those were this week's talking points.